in just a minute, former WWE referee of 20-plus years, Sportsnet host for Aftermath, Jimmy Corrente's comes on to talk a lot about wrestling, the ups, the downs, amazing, fun interview. It was only supposed to be 45 minutes. It became an hour and 20, I believe it is. So you will want to listen to it all. It is great. Even if you're not a wrestling fan and you might be more of a sports fan, it's a pretty good listen to. But this episode of Wrestling With Sports is brought to you by Bluetooth. Look, uh, I'm 42 years old. I enjoy Bluetooth. That's just the best way to put it. And look, if you're someone listening that uh, that you're like, oh, that Dennis is cute. Uh, Bluetooth is awesome. I'll be honest. I use it sometimes. And it helps uh, kick me into the next stage of uh, the makeout sessions, as polite as I can be. So I'm a user. I love it. It's it's. It's awesome. It's like steroids for the bedroom, essentially, if I had to put a sports term on it. Uh, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. You can take it any time of day or night. You can take it on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. If you, if you could benefit from more confidence in the bedroom, wouldn't you do it? I know I would. So go check out BlueChew.com. Use the promo code Dennis. Get your first order for free. Just pay $5 shipping and handling. Basically, what I told you is you get your first order for free. You get to use it in bed. You get to try it out. And I know you're going to like it. So give it the old college try. BlueChew is prescribed by an online licensed physician, so you don't have to go to any doctor's office. No awkward visits, and especially in this time of corona, no being around people for anything else. It ships right to your door discreetly. It's made in the USA, so it's cheaper. Right now, once again, we have a special offer for you guys. Go visit BlueChew.com. Get that first shipment for free. Use the promo code DENNIS, D-E-N-N-I-S. Just pay the $5 shipping and handling, and I know... Honestly, you guys have paid more money for stupid stuff, whether it's a Young Bucks shirt or your favorite Pittsburgh Pirate jersey or whatever. You've spent dumb money on things. Go to Blue Chew. Spend the $5 on shipping and handling. It's amazing. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Dennis, D-E-N-N-I-S. Try it for free. They've helped out the podcast, and we want you guys to help out those who help us out. So go to Blue Chew. Do it. Do it now. I mean, pause the podcast right now and go. I'll wait. Did you do it yet? How about now? All right. Uh, I'm going to assume you did it, but I'm going to bring you Jimmy Crentes now, so enjoy. I'm just joking. Did you do it now? How about now? All right. Now I'm going to bring you Jimmy Crentes. It's time for Wrestling with Sports. Dimitri Young, Jason Kindle, myself, Dennis Farrell. And we have a very special guest. You've seen him for 20-plus years in WWE. If you live out in Toronto or Canada, you know the aftermath on Sportsnet 360. Uh, he's been all around. You can follow him on Twitter. We'll talk about that in his reference. We're talking to Jimmy Corrente right now. Jimmy, thank you. No, thank you. This is cool. I, I, you know me. I like talking wrestling, and uh, this 
for me talking with you guys, uh, you and Jason and Dimitri, if I may use first names here, please, uh, please do. Very, very cool for me. Very cool for me. Well, Jimmy, thank you so so much. And, and I was just telling you, um, everybody off the air, I basically grew up. Not that I'm, not that you're old and I'm old, but I guess we're both old. But grew up watching you. And I'm telling you what, when Dennis told um, Dimitri and myself, I don't know, maybe it was a couple weeks ago when he was going to try to get you. I'm telling you what, you talk about two kids that were just, as far as Demetri and myself, that were so excited. So thank you so much for being here. And, uh, oh, we have a million questions for you. And hopefully, you know, we just met your beautiful wife. You're way over your skis. Absolutely. So oh, yeah. I, am, Street. I am as well. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much. No, my pleasure. And, and like you said, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I know I, I know, I overachieved, and that's cool. That's what it's all about, right? Absolutely it is. Whatever, whether it's baseball wrestling, hockey up here in Canada, whatever it is, you try to strive to do Without that. Without a doubt. Now, Amen. listen, I, I'm going to start the barrage of questions because we are, like we said, we're little school boys here, all excited to talk. And the ref, I think, is one of those underrated positions of wrestling where you talk to any wrestling fan and they can tell you the history of this wrestler and this show and the first time they did this and this and this. But, like, the the ref is the guy that you go, hey, I think I saw him once. And there's only, like, a handful of refs that have become kind of iconic that have moved past the I recognize his face to I know his name. You were one of them, of course. Uh, how hard is it for a ref to kind of, guess, break out of this little square where you don't have much time to promote yourself or be a person? You're You're essentially the third guy in the ring that's supposed to be invisible to being kind of iconic. That's that's very nice of you to say, um, but that's that's the role of the referee in professional wrestling. The, uh, the referee is to the guy that's supposed to stay invisible until he needs to be visible, but he's also the guy that kind of connects the dots for the guys because the wrestlers themselves are the ones telling the story in the ring. You're just there helping them tell their story. And, and um, in many ways, it, it, if you refer to it kind of like acting, you're, the, you're in the background, but you're essential to the story. At the same time, but again, unless the actual story involves you, you you should not be part of that story. If that makes any kind of sense whatsoever, absolutely, Dimitri. Oh, it does, Jason. Yeah, uh, no, no, I, no. I I want to know. I, I, I've been watching wrestling forever. Big wrestling fan. I don't know if you can see my T-shirt. Oh, yeah. a whole, Rocket wrestling. Yeah, whole, yes, sir. <laughs> big time, big time wrestling fan, and. The one thing I noticed over the years, why is it when the referee gets knocked down, they're out for the count? Like, <laughs> they take a blow and, I mean, they're around forever. I know it's for storyline purposes, but dang, do y'all have to be that weaselly and, and weak? <laughs> well, um, it, it, it also, it's twofold. It's kind of like a twofold thing. The, the referee shouldn't be as tough as the wrestlers themselves. That being said, I always myself had a little bit of an issue of getting hit and okay, lay out. Now you're down. You look like you just got run over by a Mack truck as opposed to, I, I prefer something where when I got bumped, unless it was like a big boot from the undertaker or something like that, where, okay, I'm staying down, but I, you know, I prefer something that I could sell and kind of turn my back away and, and, and stay out of the picture, you know, so that, the heel could cheat behind my back or whatever the case may be. Um, once I, I started getting more experience, that sort of stuff used to bother me a little bit. 
where, <laughs> like you said, where you, where you say, bam, okay, I'm out. Okay, wake me up when I need to be woken up, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I'd rather I'd rather be the guy that's like, okay, uh, I twisted an ankle, I blew out a knee, uh, I, I got my bell rung, but I'm still kind of moving around. You know, that, to me, yeah, that yeah. looks more, that looks real. More realistic, yes. Yeah. Okay, so, hey, Jimmy, I got to ask this question, because, listen, I knew who you were, knew every i mean obviously watching but i i, I did um youtube some stuff on you today and it's amazing and i'm sure a lot of people know this i didn't but for dennis's family we always call it dennis's family that's listening because we have about 10 listeners um <laughs> it dropped the seven was, oh geez but how you started because the first question i was going to ask was how do you get started in this but you know going back and listening to one of your um your youtube interviews it's unbelievable you were just you just the two tickets, the, I just want to watch, I, I want to take pictures. And the next thing you know, can you just kind of tell that, up, you know, in a short story? Like I said, most people have heard this, but when I was listening to this today, man, was it awesome because that is something really, really cool. And, and I think what I kind of compared it to, and Dimitri will get this, there's a lot of uh, traveling secretaries or maybe even more front office guys in the big leagues now that started out. I mean, it started out as bat boys and now they're like, you know, big wigs. Even there's even GMs there. But I mean, it's about your work ethic, putting in the work, something you love to do. And I think that just listening to that today is that's a story that needs to be told more than just YouTube. It needs to be out there because work ethic today is something that I, I personally think a lot of people lack. But just can you just give a brief little summary on on where you started and how you got there? Yeah, I, like from from a young kid, I was a big, huge wrestling fan. And growing up in Toronto, we were privileged to get a lot of different wrestling promotions on television. But every three weeks, they would run Maple Leaf Gardens. The Tunney family were the, the big wigs here. Uh, former WWF president Jack Tunney was <laughs> at the time. When I was old enough to be able to go on my own and drive down, one of my hobbies was taking pictures of, of the wrestlers. So I went to the office and I said, listen, I come to every show. Is there a way to get season tickets so I can get the same ones as close as I can get to ringside because I like taking pictures, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, long story short, I got two tickets, second row ringside. They used to have this ramp that used to come out that was level with the ring. But, but, but what, what did the owner say? Didn't he say, like, if you ever miss, no more tickets? If you miss, Yeah, if you miss one show, those tickets are gone. So I, I made sure I was at every show, and I would come in, and I'd take pictures of the guys, and they're right there in front of me because I'm right beside the, the ramp in the entranceway. Oh, they used to have a, 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 a photo developing place up here in Toronto called Direct Film where you double your prints for a dollar. So what I would do is I would get a set for me to keep and I'd go back and sell the second set for $2 a picture to, <laughs> to basic, basically to fund my wrestling habit. I would pay for my tickets and any like sodas and stuff like that. It fueled my wrestling habit. So I got caught by one of Jack Tunney's guys selling tickets outside of Maple Leaf, uh, selling pictures outside of Maple Leaf Gardens, and he's like, I didn't know who he was. He's like, yeah, these are pretty good pictures. How much are they? I said, they're two bucks each. How many do you want? He says, you can't do that. So what are you talking about? He says, that's illegal. You can't. So he's going through this whole spiel, and I'm like, uh-oh, I'm going to get arrested here. But he says, I'll tell you what, just go down the street a little bit. Don't do it right in front of the gardens. You take pretty good pictures. And him and I became friends, and then he introduced me to Jack Tani, oh. trying to get me uh, a job taking pictures for them. At ringside and i'm thinking this is cool and then jack said you know well we don't need another photographer but we'll find something for the kid to do so i started off okay jack would hand me the keys to his fleetwood cadillac go to the airport and pick up andre the giant and i'm like huh 
okay. You know? <laughs> I'm like, go pick up Hulk Hogan and his wife. At the, uh, in sorry to interrupt, but what year was this? Um, I started working for him in late 85. And then in, in 86, I'm like driving his Fleetwood Cadillac up to the airport. And, 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 you know, I've got Hulk Hogan in the back with Linda, uh, Linda and, She's chatting away, going like, what a beautiful city. And I'm looking in the rearview mirror, looking at Hulk making the face, you know, like, oh, my God, here she goes again. You know, like, <laughs> and I'm thinking, and I'm looking, this is cool. He's like everybody else saying, you know, his wife is talking too much. Basically, is what he's doing with his eyes. I'm going, okay, but I can't tell anybody this, you know. <laughs> the behind How old were you at this time? Uh, okay, I got 20, early 20s, 22. 22. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for me to like, and I like full head of hair, the whole thing, just a, a real quick thing. Like I had this kind of like curly kind of thing going on where actually Roddy Piper nicknamed me Gabe after Gabe Kaplan, Mr. Cotter. Yes. Mr. Cotter. Welcome back, Cotter. Yeah. Yes. Cotter. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it, you know, it, it was amazing. And I was like in this fantasy world with all these superstars from back in the day, like during that, during that era. And I'm like, this is cool. And then well, one day Pat Patterson said to Jack, he says, you know, we got the kid here. He does all these errands for us. And then he sits around for the show doing nothing, waiting for the show to end to, to do something. He says, why don't we make him a ref? And like Jack says to Pat, he says, well, we don't want to smarten the kid up, do we? And Pat goes, he's in the locker room with the boys. What are you talking about smartening him up? He he's already knows what's going on, kind of. So, he's, so Pat said, go get yourself a blue shirt, a black bow tie, black pants, and black sneakers, and carry it with you all the time. You wow. And then, yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you what, I, I was listening to this, you guys today, like I said, you, uh, Dennis and Dimitri, you guys are probably listening to this, but I listen, and I'm, I'm like hanging off, I'm just I'm waiting for every word, so I had to go down to another one in your first match, which, how long did you take the, 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 the blue shirt and the, and the tie? How long were you carrying that before something happened and you had to get on it? Oh, it was it was at least four or five months, but I didn't know enough to ask somebody to to you know fill me in on how to be a referee. So I'm watching, but I'm still not asking the questions. I, I'm not smart enough to know. Hey, go up to the ref and say, hey, when when this happened, why did, you know and that kind of stuff. So we're in Newmarket, Ontario, for a little spot show just north of Toronto here, and uh, Chief Jay Strongbow walks up to me and says, Hey, Jimmy, you got your ref stuff with you? I said, Yeah, Chief. He says, Well, we'll put it on your reffing tonight. And I went. Uh oh, <laughs> I didn't want to say, but nobody has. I just said okay, and he said, "Yeah, SD Jones versus uh, Jose Luis Rivera, who wrestled under a mask as the Red Demon back in the day." He says, uh, "You're going to referee that match. Get with them; they'll tell you what to do." And thank goodness, SD and I were friends. And I just walked up there and said, "SD." He goes, I go, I'm roughing your match tonight. He says, great. I said, I've never roughed a match before. He says, don't worry about it. You listen to me. You won't have a problem. And he talked me through the entire match. And we got through it. And, you know, I probably looked like uh, Mr. Roboto out there. I'm so stiff and everything. But he, he talked me through it. And after that, it was like, okay, we're going to take you aside. And we're going to kind of teach them some edges up so what like what do you, when you say you he he talked you through it like okay hey now get over here get over that side like how, how does that yeah exactly because uh um as the red demon jose Luis rivera was the heel so one of his gimmicks was he, he would take something out of his trunk slip it under his mask to do the headbutt you know with the foreign object in his mask so 
you know, SD would say, Hey, come with me, stay with me, you know, and I would stay with him and he'd slip it in there. And then he'd say, uh, he'd take the head butt and then he'd say, come with me. So he could take it out. And then he'd go, go check his mask. And I'd go check his mask. And there's of course no object now. Cause he took it out. And it's oh, awesome. almost, almost <laughs> Eddie Guerrero ish. If you yes, know what I mean? Like yes. the light sheet and steel stuff. But, uh, he talked me through that whole stuff. And I was like, that's awesome. Oh, this is amazing. That is Jimmy. Yeah, hey Jimmy. Along those lines, who who was it that took you under their wings and helped you mature? Like once you got to WWE, was because with baseball we don't hang out with the umpires after the game, and yeah. I'm pretty sure you know you hang out with with the with the boys afterwards. Because mm-hmm. I I was out in Minnesota a few. Um, this was back when I was playing, and I I was out and um, there was. Matt Hardy, there was a young Batista and Mike Fiota. Oh, and I, yes. I saw how all those guys, you know, hang out and stuff. So, who are the people that you, you know, you hung out with? Who are your boys, so to speak? Um, wow, it, it you know, through the years, it was different, of course. You know, when I first started, it was, it was mainly on the crew with the referees because I was setting up the ring at the time, so it was a little bit difficult to, to hang with the boys, so to speak, because you know, you're, you're in the ring truck most of the time, uh, traveling. But uh, like I said, SD was a great guy. Tony Atlas uh, was a good friend. Um, uh, mostly, as, as we knew back in the day, the enhancement guys. <laughs> you know, those, I, I'd hang around with guys like Barry Horowitz oh. and, and, and guys like that. It was, it was a wide range of guys. And then for some reason, Andre the Giant just, you know, kind of like say, hey, kid, come here, you know, and it's like, I'm in the bar with Andre and he's having like a hundred, he's having like 12 dozen beers and I'm to, to every one that I'm having. Like, you know what I mean? Like cause he's leg, he's legendary for putting them back, you know? So, and, and sometimes he thinks that you can hang with him, but he doesn't realize that there really isn't anybody that can hang with him. So no. <laughs> yeah, he didn't, uh, funny story. If you got a quick one, right? Oh, we got, yeah. we got yeah. all the time. time you have. Uh, well, Jack, Jack Tunney sends me up to the airport. He says, uh, go up to the Marriott and pick up Andre, bring him down. Here's my car. Here's my Cadillac, whatever. So I get to the hotel and I call up to the room. There's no answer in his room. And Timmy white used to travel with Andre, who is the guy I learned a lot from Timmy as a Did you have a car with no front seats so he could put his legs out? <laughs> no, no, that's why they gave me the, the, the Fleetwood. It was the biggest thing they had, <laughs> you know, uh, other than a van. So, uh, I get there and I call Timmy and I said, uh, Timmy, have you seen, have you seen boss anywhere? Cause I'm here to pick you up. And he says, go check the bar. I said, all right. I'll check the bar. So I went into the bar and he's like, Hey boss, come here, sit down. I said, cool. He says, uh, here, have a drink. And I can't, uh, I'm can't cause I'm driving you. Oh, one drink. It's not going to hurt you. So I'm, you don't refuse him. Right. No, it's Andre. So I said, okay, yes. I, I guess I could sneak one in. What the heck? Next thing you know, Timmy comes down. I'm, I'm three sheets to the wind, <laughs> you know, because by now it's, it, it's game on, right? Yeah, he's driving you now. <laughs> so it's like, Timmy says, are you okay? I said, I don't think so. He says, let me drive. So I said, uh, I would love to let you drive. Give me a few minutes. So I went to the bathroom, splashed cold water, did the whole thing, but I was still a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. bag. I said, because if we pull up to the building and they see you driving as opposed to me, it's my butt in a slang. So I basically took my time. I drove there like 10 miles under the speed limit the whole way. We got down to the gardens and I tried to hide and Jack sees me, Tony. And he says, Jimmy, come here. He looks at me, he goes, have you been drinking? I went, uh, he says, was Andre in the bar? 
I went, uh, he says, okay, go into my office, have a couple of cups of coffee. Don't let anybody see you. And I was like, oh, okay. So he covered for me, which was awesome. Like, uh, he I'm already like, wow. knew, apparently. Yeah, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess he figured this had happened more than once to others that as well. But beautiful. Yeah. That, oh man, that's awesome. Okay, let me ask you this real quick before Dennis, because I know Dennis has a bunch of them. And listen, Jimmy, I'm the one who doesn't shut up, and they usually have to shut me up. Um, it never. Who's the best tipper when you went when before you became a referee and you went, or was there even that involved? Like. Under the giant Hulk Hogan. I mean, man, I mean, it, I don't know how long the thing was, but who was the best tipper that, uh, if they even tipped back then? Yeah, uh, not to me personally, but I, I would say Andre. Andre, you look at, if you look, took care of Andre, because everybody did. Yes. As soon as he walked in the bar, it was like people tripping over themselves to look after Andre. So he took care of everybody. He, he had no qualms about that. That is awesome. The man was awesome. If you, oh, if I could only imagine. On if you got on Andre's good side, you were king. If uh, yeah. if you ticked him off, you were in trouble. Like like Warrior used to used to um, get under his skin a little bit in the ring when they had matches together. So, um, uh, a, a time for another quick story again. Yeah, yeah. They, they used to do this spot in the ring where Warrior would wind up and hit the ropes and with a clothesline hit Andre and Andre would stagger. Uh, two, three on the fourth one, Andre would fall backwards and tie himself up, up in the ropes, you know, the top and middle yep. rope. And, yeah. yeah. Get his so, arms up. Yeah. And you can't hurt Andre, but still, doesn't mean you can go full out. And, but, you know, War used to come 600 miles an hour with that clothesline, and he'd, t- he'd tell him, look at boss, you don't have to hit me so hard. I will sell for you. So one day he, he just had enough of getting clothesline stiffly, even though you can't hurt Andre. Uh, Warrior hits the ropes. Andre sticks out his fist. And that thing oh, was massive. Oh. That thing was massive. Oh. And he just put it right. He didn't throw it. He just put it up there. It wasn't even we was, was, was it a house show or was this televised? A house show. I oh. wish it was televised so people could see it. Mm-hmm. So, so boom, he runs right into it. He goes down in a heap. And then he gets up and Andre says, hit the ropes. He hits the ropes. He hits them with a clothesline. Hits them, uh, let's say, the proper way. Didn't have to be too stiff. Andre ties himself up in the ropes. He looks over at Bobby Heenan. pretty good. Goes, so you're messing with me. Love yeah. it. So, so he ties himself up in the ropes, and he looks at Bobby Heenan, who was his manager at the time. He says, the kid's learning. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That is – that's unbelievable. That might be one of the better wrestling stories. The, the best I've ever heard. That That's unbelievable. Before we talk more about your career and get into the you know current climate of, of wrestling – I find it fascinating because I do a show with two famous baseball players who, when we talk wrestling and have wrestling guests on, they geek out over and become starstruck. For you in the wrestling industry, do you still get starstruck when you meet wrestlers? Are you kind of past that phase at, at this age and this point in your career? Um, it's it's weird because uh, guys that I haven't met before, it, it's uh, it's funny when I get to meet them and, and it, and it's really both flattering and scary at the same time when they go, oh, hi, I'm Jim Corderas. It's a pleasure to meet you. I know who you are. And I'm like, he knows who I am. You know what I mean? It's like, holy crap. <laughs> you know? no, and, no, trust me, Dimitri and myself and Dennis, obviously. Oh, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm sitting here writing stuff down, in, in, even though I have like a bunch of questions to ask you. But I don't want to be told to shut up by Dennis or Dimitri. So. Oh, no, 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 cool. It, but it, I, I, for me, it's more cool meeting like 
like people like yourselves in, in, in sports, in the sports world, we get to meet baseball players, hockey players, football players, like uh, those, those WrestleManias where we got to meet Pete Rose and stuff like that. And you know, it is, you're out there and you're, Oh yeah. uh, uh, Mr. Rose, do you have a minute for a photo and you're getting your photo taken with all these guys? My, one of my favorites was uh, WrestleMania 13. I'm getting, uh, they had this hardcore battle Royal going out and I I was outside the ring and some guys yapping at me from behind and it's just nonstop. And my, and it's this deep voice. And it got to the point where I just wanted to turn around and tell this guy, shut up. And I turn around <laughs> and I look and I go, Green Mile. It was Michael Clark Duncan. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's got that big smile on yes. his face, you know, like he's such a yes. he's such a cool dude. And he's smiling at me, and I go, I go, this is so cool. You know what I mean? And we're in the middle of WrestleMania. And then, you know, afterwards he came to the back and he says, Oh, I hope I wasn't bothering you. And I'm like, Are you kidding? You could bother me anytime. And then, you know, I was talking to my wife on the phone and he's like, who are you talking to? Your wife. He says, give me the phone. So he, I give him the phone and he's talking to my wife and I can hear my wife on the other end. She's going, who's this? He's going, it's Michael Clark Duncan. She goes, yeah, right. Yeah. No, really. It's, and, and I'm in the background yelling, Audra, it's really him. And she's like, oh my God. He, he's such so a nice funny. guy. That but, is but, it, it's 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 amazing all the people from all forms oh, of entertainment all, that you get yes. to meet. It's amazing. It's Th- amazing. And 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 it's funny that you don't think that guys from let's say Major League Baseball or NFL or hockey or 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 something or or even Hollywood and you think, well, technically we're all in the entertainment industry sort of a way. Although even yeah. though it's athletics, you still have to entertain and and. And that's the beauty of wrestling. It's kind of like a combination of both worlds. Yes, we know the outcomes are predetermined, but it's very athletic and it tries to be entertaining. And for the most part, it is. And sometimes, oh, very. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the fact that, that, that they beat the crap out of themselves on a, on a, a nightly basis, to be, I, I'm assuming it's, not, I mean, you're traveling. It's, it's mm-hmm. similar to the baseball where you travel, 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 but it's not even close to like the punishment that the, these guys are putting their bodies through. And, I don't know. I've, I've been a huge fan when, um, you know, ever since it was a house show, my old man took me to, uh, and I saw Hogan slam under the giant and, and we were, I don't know, we I don't know, halfway. And I was just, it was in the LA. It was, uh, we were wherever the Clippers used to play LA sports arena. And I, I'm just sitting there going, this is unbelievable. Snuka had a fight with rude in a steel cage match. And, and it's been locked in ever since, but, uh, okay. One, Dennis, Dimitri, I promise I'll shut up. Don't shut up. Locker room fights. Locker room fights. Because, listen, I know there's clubhouse fights all the time. There's mm-hmm. got to be, like, one that sticks out in your mind. If not, then that's actually even cooler. But anything that sticks out in your mind? Uh, I, I wasn't privy to a lot of them. But the one that sticks out is probably one of the most famous ones, which wasn't really a fight fight, was uh, Brett and Sean way back when, when they were oh, having their issues. It's it was the screw job before the screw job. Yes, uh, uh, it, it was in it was it in Connecticut. It has something to do with um, the thing that we revolve around and add an NY to it. Uh, I, mm, the, somebody said something. I wasn't in the room. All I know is that as I was walking by, it was Hartford, Connecticut, the old Hartford Civic Center. And as I was walking by. Brooklyn Brawler comes running out of the room saying, we need help. There's a fight. So, you know, everybody walks. What am I going to do? You know, it's Bret Hart. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull Bret Hart up. Be the referee, so, man. <laughs> count the three. Like, Give him the like, five count. 
they don't listen. They don't listen to me in the ring. They ain't gonna listen in the locker room. That's for sure. But it was like the, it wasn't like throwing punches and stuff like that. It was more like they were clenched up on the ground, kind of. And guys were, hey, knock it off. This is the pulling the hair out thing, right? Well, that, allegedly, I, okay. didn't, I didn't see the hair come out, but uh, that's what I was told. But uh, yeah, uh, for, fortunately, I didn't see. I, I've seen a lot of uh, more arguments. Oh. Wait a minute! I did see one to um, uh, Eddie Guerrero and uh, Kurt Angle. I don't know what happened in the match. They had uh, uh, this was after a SmackDown taping. They came back through Gorilla, and once they walked through Gorilla, there was a big shouting match. And I was just getting ready to go change so I can get get out there and tear down the ring. So I hear a bunch of yelling, and I'm like, "Wait, I know those voices. That was Kurt and Eddie." So they started going like they leg diving each other, and it's like on and there's a bunch of yelling going on then big show walked up and just separated everybody and that was it like, <laughs> yeah it was like he grabbed hey guys what's wrong and he just pulled them apart by himself it was incredible now hey jimmy uh, i have one for jimmy about um you know when you was uh talking about cody and, and bleeding and stuff like that obviously you still watch wrestling even though you know, you're no, no longer a ref. So, I mean, that's just like me and Jason. We're still baseball fans. And, you know, the climate of the way that baseball is going right now is like, you know, the baseball has its ups and downs and stuff. Who are the wrestlers that that you watch today? Like today's – I like watching Christian Yellich for baseball. That's my guy. And Josh Bell with the um, Pirates, Jason's old team. So, is there any guy or guys or female wrestlers that that you were just like they're awesome? No, I I try to I watch pretty much everything everything from WWE. I watch AEW. Uh, I wish I watched a little more Impact because I have friends that are actually working there right now and stuff like that. But um, I'm I'm very impressed. I think right now the, the best female talent out there right now is charlotte i uh i'm, I'm a big fan of oscar though over tessa she's very i'm sorry over tessa blanchard um yeah I, see i think put you on the spot and, here and I, I don't want to say i, I if, <laughs> if tessa was on a bigger platform and it's not it's not a knock on impact wrestling because it's those what guys they are, are hard you know it what is I mean? what it is but but it is what it is. But if she was, I think she could flourish in an environment like an AEW, like a WWE or NXT brand or something like that, especially NXT, because I think NXT right now, when you look at all the presentations of, of pro wrestling out there, they're the ones that are sticking kind of to more traditional sports oriented presentation while still making it sports entertainment, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Uh, out of all the brands out there. That, that, that's my opinion. I mean, but um, I see talent in all the brands out there. It just, it's just a matter of capitalizing it. And, and what's being hurt right now is not having an audience because they're your biggest barometer of who is actually connecting. I mean, you can go online and see this guy's getting a reaction online. This guy's getting, but unless you hear that, that, that live genuine reaction inside an arena or inside a, whatever studio setting and you hear fans genuinely react to a talent that is your biggest barometer over what's working yeah and you brought up oscar and i've been telling dimitri and dennis this um and it's got to uh, uh, impress you as well because you were probably there i the travel wise is has to be unbelievable but and i keep telling um dimitri and dennis like oscar's there every whether it be rock she's there every night 
And obviously she's probably young. I don't know if she, you know, family, whatever, but I mean, every night. And so it always impresses me. Like, you know, they're there. he's there again. So-and-so's here again, or she's there again. I mean, mm-hmm. and I, I think Dimitri and myself both know that, you know, listen, travel can beat you down. You are going to different time zones here, there, West coast, whatever. So that's why I've, and I've always said that. And I actually won and I can't remember what it was, it was a couple weeks ago. We, uh, what was it, the ladder match when we all had a show and I, I, I took her and she won. And, um, I, but I'm, I'm just a huge fan because every, for the last year, I, she's there every night. So now what are your guys' breaks as far as referees? Do, do you get a break or are you just like nonstop? Boom. And then well, all of a sudden, okay, you get two weeks. No, it, it, like, like back in the day, it was, it was a lot different than it is today. Now there are more referees. So, you know, you, you, you may be on the week loop. Everybody shows up for TV. And for that week, you may be just uh, working TV. And then the rest of the, the house shows or live events, as they call them now, uh, it may be two or three guys that do the live events. But everybody shows up for TV. Back, back when I was there, there weren't as many. So, um, you know, when I was pulling double duty as part of the ring crew and referee, uh, it was a little more work involved, but that's cool because uh, let's be honest, you got paid for setting up the ring and you got paid for refereeing. It was two paydays, which is cool with me, you know? Uh, and, and I hate to sound so cliche about this, but I guess you guys coming from the world of major league baseball, when you're doing something you love to do, it's not work. Without a doubt. You know, it's, it's, it's man, I, I, I love this business. Even to this day, I don't miss the travel. I I miss the camaraderie. I miss the performing. Uh, but uh, I missed my family too. I missed a lot of family that? time. And uh, there would be weeks, uh, you know, my wife would, would see me for like a day and a half. You know, like, you know, Ooh. SmackDown would film on Tuesdays. We'd fly home on Wednesdays. And by the time you get to the airport, to home, and you get settled in, yeah. you're home all day Thursday. Then Friday afternoon or Friday evening, you got to fly out again. Yep. It was like, and that's the way it was. Yeah. You know? I can relate. Yeah, to when, when you had some time off, she's probably like, "Okay, don't you have somewhere to go?" <laughs> it, it, no, it, no. It was actually, "Hey, can we go here?" And I'm thinking to myself, "Sure, let's go." I'm like, I just want to stay home. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm, I'm done with the travel thing, but she she's stuck home all the time. So it's like, "Hey, can we go here?" Okay. <laughs> you know. So you know. You know what that. You know what that sounds like. That sounds like in spring training when. We're there for a good three weeks, and then the family comes down, and and oh. what the family doesn't, and the wife definitely doesn't understand is uh, we're getting ready for the season. So when we get back from the ballpark, we're tired, and they want to go here, they want to go there, they want to go to Disney, mm-hmm. Disneyland, or Disney World. They want to do all this stuff. Let's go to the <laughs> beach, and it's like, um, baby, we just finished playing. And I caught two, you know, you did all this stuff. And so we can definitely relate to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Very similar. Like it's in, uh, in 2009, when, when, when I parted ways with WWE, uh, that summer I took my wife on a, I want to say it was almost like a month long. We went to Europe and we went to, went to different places. Like we went to Prague and we went to to Budapest and, and places like that. And, I finally got to actually see the cities. Like I'd been there before. I just <laughs> never got to see. I never got to see them. You know, yeah, hotel, and, the stadium. Yep. Yeah, yeah, hotel, stadium, and maybe a restaurant if you're lucky. You know. Yep. 
It, it's funny that you bring that up because I wanted to talk about when you did part ways with WWE and was it 2009, I believe? Yes, yes. There wasn't much of a landscape of anything else in wrestling at that point. I mean, I think there was like maybe a little Ring of Honor. The indies were not where they were now. How scary was it for you looking at the landscape of wrestling at that point where you part ways with WWE? And I don't know if that was like your ultimate plan and you were done, but and maybe I'm assuming that you, you know, in your head you wasn't and you thought there might be other opportunities, but how scary was it looking at the landscape of wrestling back then thinking, all right, I'm a ref. The indie circuit isn't really, you know, ref friendly when it comes to having to go try to get bookings. Right. Uh, well, at that time, um, uh, to make a long story short, uh, um, I had taken some time off before I left WWE because my father had taken L and I'd made the decision that I needed to be home at that time. Um, and they were very sympathetic. They were very cool with it. And then in 2009, um, they, they asked if I wanted to stay on or leave. And we just came to a, it was basically a mutual understanding that, listen, we're going to give you uh, we're going to release you from your contract. We'll give you the 90 day, whatever. And, if you, the door is always open for you. If you want to come back, give us a call, whatever, when you feel. Uh, and, and at that point, my father passed away during that time. And I just, my heart wasn't in it anymore. If that makes sense. Yes. And at that point, I felt that I had, that I needed to give to my family. I, I, you know what I mean? I had made a good living for over 20 years. They had taken care of me for, for that entire time. I thought at that time it was time to be with my family and, and be with them. And if the opportunity presented itself, cool. If it didn't, you know what? I ended up, uh, I ended up uh, doing a few uh, interviews and stuff like that. And uh, I ended up going to broadcasting school. Oh, nice. Awesome. Course in broadcasting and, and thought, you know what? I kind of like this. If there's, if there too bad, there aren't wrestling shows that are kind of like, you know, Yes. Other sports shows were the, so my friend Arda O'Cal used to have a show up here in Canada on the old uh, the score network, which doesn't exist anymore, called Right After Wrestling, where they would break down Raw on Monday nights on satellite radio and stuff like that. And he said, Do you want to come in and be a guest one day? And I said, Sure. And then that turned into a regular gig. And then it became a television show and then everything. And you know, like guys like Moral Ronaldo were on there, Renee Young were on that show. Uh, and to this day, when Sportsnet took over that show from the score, I'm still there and I'm still doing it. And I still love it. So I still get to kind of stay connected with my passion, which is pro wrestling, yeah. uh, but with all, without all the travel involved, which is uh, the that's, the, that's the beauty about it. And you're getting paid. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so it's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check all the boxes. Check all the boxes. The only thing I do miss is the camaraderie, man. I miss the boys. Yeah. Hey, Jay, hey, hey, Jimmy. Here's here's something for you. Twenty years. What was your favorite era? The golden era. How about that dead period right before the the attitude era? The character the ruthless, era. Yeah, the, yeah, with the new foundation and all that. With all the uh, yeah, or the ruthless aggression era. What was your favorite era that you left oh, in? That's a, see, that's a tough one because the era, like right after the Attitude Era, is kind of like 
it, it's hard. I, I guess, I don't know, you guys who played Major League Baseball could tell me better. When you're young, you think you know what you're doing. You think you've got, you got it all you figured out. You have no out. idea. You have no but idea. You, yeah, you, you, do, you don't. And then once I started getting, like I, like I said, I started refereeing in, in uh, like 1987. And I don't think I, I really understood what I was doing till almost 2000, if that makes any Ooh. sense at all. It was like, I'm thinking to myself, you know, man, I used to do this. I shouldn't, I should have been doing this instead to help them. Like I wasn't thinking to help the match. I was just thinking, make sure I'm there where they need me to be. Make sure I do, make sure I count, make sure I do. Now I'm thinking, okay, if I do this, I could help him this way and that way. So I, as you get older, you start to figure it out. So, so for me, I, I enjoyed that era just after the attitude era where I think for me personally, uh, who am my own worst critic, I did my best work then. So that was my favorite era. Awesome. Wow. Okay, so I got, I got one, I got, actually I got two questions, but I'll just do one right now. In today's, in like two days wrestling um, um, world with this whole pandemic and everything, how hard as like how hard would it be to ref? I mean, obviously you guys are going to go do do to to do everything in the locker room before you guys head out. But I mean, there's no fans. You hear everything. Yeah. Like, what would? How would that? How does that trans? I, I, I think you get the question. I don't know what else to say. But I mean, like, because it's it's got to be difficult. Yeah, it, it's it's really hard, especially because you got the you got the cameras ringside yep. with the mics attached and the whole bit. So it's not as easy as leaning in with all that crowd mm-hmm. noise saying, okay, hey, four minutes to go. We got to get going here. Now <laughs> people are – somebody even tweeted me the other day and said, uh, I heard one of the guys say, watch the boot. You know what I mean? Even between <laughs> yes, the boys, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's very difficult to communicate. So um, you have to just be very, very discreet during these times. It's not easy. I, I can only uh, imagine. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what the guys are doing right now. There must be, yeah. there must be something they're told, or they're, you know, they're. I don't know if they're flashing hand signs or something. Maybe or what, hand, but yeah, maybe. Yeah, but it, but it is definitely tougher to communicate now, especially when there's no crowd there to make. Yeah, it. I mean, it is helping now with having some of the, the, uh, um, NXT guys or, or even in yes. AEW where they have some of the talent out there making noise, yep. making it a little bit easier, but still not as loud. So you can still pick that stuff up. Wow. I know that this will be a fun little tie-in. You did something that will make Jason Kendall a little bit jealous, and Jason will tell a little story here in a second about it. And I think this is like number one on Kendall's bucket list. But you did Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast, which that really made me a huge fan of yours. Listen to that. After that, I went out and searched you. I became a fan. I watched it. And Jason... When he did one of the hardest things to do in baseball, which was Jason, do you know where I'm going with this story? Uh, I I hear you. I'm I'm waiting for you to finish. When Jason Kendall hit for the cycle in a major league baseball game, one of my favorite pictures of Jason Kendall is him with the ball, you know, in the dugout, everybody celebrating, and he's wearing his Austin three sixteen shirt under his jersey. So I I yeah, I had to tie the two together because I know Jason many times is like, dude, I love Stone Cold. And for you to do his podcast, I mean, we all, I geeked out when I heard that interview. How how awesome is that? I mean, I, you worked with the guy. You know the guy. You're probably friends yeah. with the guy. But still to be invited on one of the top podcasts in the world, that, amazing. 
it was it was it was incredible and uh it just out of the blue because you know you exchange numbers over the years and some guys you hear from like 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 every once in a while i'll get a message from somebody like an edge or somebody like that you know good canadian kid of course you know and so but yeah. one day i my phone rings and i'm looking and i'm going that's a texas number who the heck is calling me from texas you know like jimmy steve austin how the hell are you kid and i'm like Hey, I'm good. What's going on? He says, "Hey, I got this little podcast going on. You're gonna, you, you, you feel like doing the?" Po-? I said, "Are you nuts? Of course. What? You, you don't have to hit me with a brick, man. It was the coolest thing ever. And then that he would even think, you know, to to have me on his podcast. I thought this is amazing. <laughs> that that I want to know what kind of injury or what's the worst injury you sustained. <laughs> in the ring during your career. I, I had quite a few injuries. I had a sports hernia. I fractured my fibula. Second game of the season in the 2004 season in Toronto. Oh. So, yeah. And I was out for oh. seven weeks. So, what, what was the worst injury you had while you were in the wrestling ring during your career? To be to be honest with you, I've been so fortunate where, where no major knee or shoulder or elbow or anything like that but my the thumb on my right hand got caught one time where uh not to exaggerate my thumb bent backwards almost to my elbow and just and just just tore everything up and and Um. you know uh and of course in true uh ingrained in your head fashion finish the match that's and right. Then, uh, got to the back, and they said, well, "Let me see your thumb." And it looked like it, man. It, it, was, it looked yeah, like a, awful. It, yeah, it looked like a grapefruit. It was that big. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they said, "Okay, um, you got two choices. We'll send you to a guy to get done, or you can go home and get it done." You know, obviously, there's some kind of surgery. So I, I came home to Toronto, where you know we have our healthcare system up here, and had the surgery done. And I said, they said, "Okay." They called me like a week after the surgery. Said, "Okay, when are you ready to come back?" I said, <laughs> "I'm, I'm you in." Had, a you had that little, you had that little S on your thumb, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I've got this this big ass cast on, and the thumb is this yeah. big. Oh, how about when they took yeah. that pen out? Oof. Oh, and, and do you and count it with your right hand or your left hand? I, I'm right-handed, and this was my right hand that had the surgery, and that's exactly what they told me. They Ooh. said, "Can you count left-handed?" You learn I'm how. Thinking to myself, jack yeah, of all trades. <laughs> I guess I could. I never thought of that. So they said, okay, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you out next week, you know, stay in your cast and whatever, and just count left-handed. So for like a couple, I, I don't know whether it was a month and a half or two months, I was counting with a, with my left hand in a cast. Beautiful. Okay. So the, I, I took, I took off for a second because I just realized that that picture that I, Dennis was talking about is right outside my door. Uh. Ah, tremendous. And so young so looking too. You'll have yeah, to tweet I, that I, photo I, out. Yeah, what happened? I have no idea, to be honest with you. Um, but no, it was it was one of the coolest. I used to wear all the all the shirts and everything, and you know, I was fortunate enough to meet a couple guys, and uh, yeah, it's yeah, just really cool. That's actually getting to my next question: is who is one of the um, the uh, is this a guy that you became friends with that you're still talking to today, or or just you know, hey, how you doing? How's the family doing? I mean, I'm I'm sure there's several but uh like i mean do you the one big name i guess for the fans out there i guess i guess like i said edge would be the guy is like a all of a sudden 
like the other night, uh, I want to say it was actually it was Saturday night or something. He was watching something on on the network or wherever he was watching, and he just he texts me a picture from like 1988, Bret Hart versus Rick Martel with me refereeing the match. And it's just a picture from his TV screen going, hey, here's an all-Canadian match and stuff like mm-hmm. that, you know? And I'm like, cool. where the heck did you find that? And it's, it's um, you know, it, it, who else is there? There's a, there's a few guys that I, I hey, still stay in wait, contact Next with time you talk but, to Edge, tell him I said hi, because I was um, involved in um, Survivor Series 2005 when he had um, his show on... <clears throat> It was me in Detroit. I was going up against him and talking, and we had a nice little segment. It was right after the Ric Flair Triple H match, and let Ooh. me tell you, it was fun. But you know what? <clears throat> I will. I mean, when I'm done here, I'm going to text him and tell him you said hello. That's, Thank you. That's right. Uh, hello for sure. Dimitri was actually the first technical guest on the Cutting Edge Talk Show. Wow. With Lita, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he called me Mark Henry and, and told me instead, <laughs> oh, of, instead of me shooting steroids, I was shooting cheeseburgers. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh. That's great. And that was and that was right before he won the world title, so I was getting on him right. about that. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah, I no, because we 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 have a good relationship because he was the one. Um, again, I'm going off on a tangent here. Uh, you know probably the biggest match of my career, WrestleMania 24, getting to referee him and the undertaker in the main event, um, which was a match I wasn't originally scheduled for. Um, but oh, you weren't under- scheduled to be a referee. You were going to just wanted to take some pictures and tell him for two bucks outside the stadium. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, but it was edge and undertaker who, who they came to me. Um, I, I see. I, I, I don't remember a lot, but I remember these little things, Little Rock, Arkansas. You know, I get to the arena that day, and Edge comes up. He says, uh, you got a minute? I said, yeah. He says, do you know what match you got at WrestleMania? I said, uh, yeah. He says, no, you don't. You got us. I said, what do you mean? He says, Taker and I want you to do our match. I said, That's you're, awesome. you're, you're kidding, right? He said, nope. Nope. He says, uh, we already talked to Vince. We got it cleared. You're, you're doing our match. And I'm like, okay. And, and two things went through my head. Yes, I'm so excited, and I better not screw this up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean. But, yep. but what a cool moment! And I saw Taker in the in uh, in the hallway afterwards. He said, "Did uh, did Adam talk to you?" I said, "Yeah, he did." He said, "You cool with that?" He said, "I said absolutely. As long as if you're cool, I am cool." Said, that that that's what's actually really neat to me. Like before the Undertaker goes out, or or whoever it may be, and. Hey, you ready, dude? All right, let's go. Let's this. I mean, that's that is what is like the behind the scenes part of it. That is so mm-hmm. cool to me, because obviously it comes out dead man walking, blah blah blah, and it's you know obviously the rest is history. But that is so neat. Like, hey, we got this. Let's go. Kind of like, all right, let's get it done. That is so cool to me. Yeah, and and uh, I, I, what I like about and not to, not to plug uh, the network, please uh, plug the, away. The network, but this whole this whole Undertaker. Um, the last ride. ride series is is incredible because people are getting to see the guy we got to see, the the locker room leader that we got to see, and and you know people always say, well, you know, how did he become the locker room leader? He didn't choose to be the locker room leader; he was chosen. Everybody looked at him and said, "That's our guy." That's our guy. That's mm-hmm. our guy. He, he, so he, so okay, God, I got. Three more questions, but I so okay. Listen, I'm not even gonna get into the hearts and everything, but uh, I what I do want to get into, I, I'm talking about Owen because that's not fair to talk about because I know you get asked that question 
probably all the time. But no, no. Canadian um, That's wrestlers. You talked about Edge. You talked about Owen. Did I just take your question away? No, Dennis? not yet. I, I'll let you go, and then I'll slip my. Well, no, I just want to like because because you're from, you know, Canada. Mm-hmm. Is there like a little more of a special bond with certain guys? Like when you said Edge. I mean, and <laughs> yeah. You guys still text today, and I just you, you just dropped a hey how boot, and I remember Matt Stairs was like hey how yeah. boot two more swings. So I, I just rem- I didn't know if there was a, I apologize Dennis for taking your question, you didn't. but um, I didn't want to bring that up because I didn't know if it was sensitive or not. And no, it's a it, it, it's a fair question because um, there I don't want to say that everybody from Canada was like tight like this, but there was that camaraderie of hey we're all Canadian here we're out to prove that you know. Yes. Let's be honest. The majority of the talent is from the U.S. Uh, are U.S. based, and yep. and it's almost like a little bit of an accomplishment saying, "Hey, you know, we're there's only a certain amount we're, of we're us. Canadians." Yeah, there's only a certain amount of us, and and you know, I get asked all the time, "Who's the greatest Canadian wrestler of all time?" And I'm like, you know, take you you can make an argument for a bunch, and and you brought up Owen's name, and Owen, I would say, was probably the most natural. Really? Oh my goodness! It just—he was so smooth. Everything just—I don't want to say it was effortless for him, but it just appeared to be effortless for hmm. him. He could do anything, wow. and 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 he was just that good. You know, and I was gonna want to bring up the Owen thing for a little bit because a lot of people may or may not know you were in the ring when the tragic mm-hmm. events happened. But not so much about that, but the aftermath. Years and years and years after, you know, you talked to Jason. He snapped his uh, what your your ankle in half. You know, Dimitri had a lot of problems that he overcame. How? And I've never heard you actually talk about the after effects so much into your career as much as the immediate now that you've talked about in every interview. But I was more interested in, you know, not so much the days or the weeks, but the years and years afterwards of what you had to do to get over that trauma. It it was it honestly, and and again, not to, to make this about me, because you know, obviously, you know, a good man was lost that day, a father, uh, a husband, a, a son. Um, but being so close to the situation, as, as you know, it was. It, Obviously, for the weeks afterwards, it was it, it was not easy it, because everything everything we did, everything everywhere you walked, every everything remi- something reminded you yes. of him. And then and then the, you go through this period of okay, I got to block this all out of my mind, and you try to forget everything. And the harder you try to forget, the more you stuff comes back to you, little things that you you know. Uh, and um, again, it, uh, luckily. We had a good support system. The guys were, you know, when they talk, again, there's that cliche again. The locker room was like a family. We looked after each other. Obviously, there were some conf- uh, conflicts, you know, personality clashes and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, uh, during times like that, everybody looked after each other. And I was fortunate enough where I had good people like uh, like Undertaker, um, like Triple H, like, like Jim Ross, who was head of talent relations at the time, who, who – you know, actually took me aside and said, Hey, if you need time, take time. And, but at, at that point, I felt like being with everybody that was feeling the same thing I was feeling kind of helped. If that makes any kind of sense. No, it makes all kinds. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, so it, again, it wasn't easy. And then doing the interviews for that, for that, uh, 
for that documentary, of course, brings back some memories that you try to suppress, and then all of a sudden stuff starts flooding back. Uh, yeah. I don't think you ever really get over it. You just learn to deal. Hey, 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 Jimmy, I want to know, because in baseball we have people that come up and they'll kick, they'll kick serious ass for a couple of years and they'll disappear. They call flash in the pants. Ah, great. So, are there, great are there, question. I love it. Are there, were there any guys that you saw that came up that was supposed to be the next big thing and just kind of fizzled out? Oh my goodness! Uh, where do I begin? Uh, <laughs> or, or like the to- or like the top couple of guys that stick out the most to you? Oh, um, it, see, it was tough, especially after the Hogan era, because you know you had a guy like Hogan who was a larger than life personality and maybe the guy who launched the WWF slash WWE to the next level, you know, and made sports entertainment basically, you know, put it on the map. I mean, it's always been there and it's always gone through its cycles, but now it was starting to gain some national attention and there was always that chase to find the next guy. And I hate to use this name, uh, but I thought ultimate warrior was one of those guys, and I hate to say it because, uh, yes, he was very popular. He attained a level of success, but he wasn't able to maintain it. He was probably a dick in a locker room. Uh, At times, he could be a little abrasive. (laughs) Again, listen, I was a huge Ultimate Warrior fan, but there's certain guys, and and I've heard you, you know, just heard the name pop up a couple times, and I'm, you know, I, he's passed on, and, and I was a huge, huge fan. But there's also things that you remember as a player, as a wrestler, as a referee, as a equipment manager, where, you know what, listen, it's it's you always treat people the way you want to be treated. That's it. And we've had this conversation, and so I, I, I get where you're coming from, And but, uh, you know, in the unbelievable career. Yes, thank you, Jimmy, uh, for changing it. No, no, I, I'm trying to think of somebody else that I, that I would consider that. It's It's – it's harder today. I think I think you see more of that today because it's. Um, I think the fan base has changed with with the uh, the knowledge that's out there about the wrestling business and the perception that fans, uh, some fans at least, I don't want to I don't want to generalize, but some fans uh, think they're more in the know than they actually are. Like when it comes to booking and when it comes to you know who should get pushed and stuff like that, they come up with these ideas. Back then, nobody cared about who got pushed. You only wanted to be entertained, and if somebody connected, they connected. It, it wasn't this 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 perception today where, well, I want that guy, and if it's not that guy, then I don't. I'm not going to get on board with somebody else. I, I don't even know if that answers your question, Dimitri. But uh, uh, yeah, it does. You know, it's 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 just tougher today to find that that one guy. I, I know they they thought Roman Reigns was going to be that guy, and I thought I thought so too because you know I thought he has all the tools. Uh, right now, I think they're doing the smart thing with him is keeping him away because of the current situation and not mentioning him is even better. I think people say, well, look, yeah, explain, explain that one real quick because yeah, because, uh, you know, yeah, cause I yeah. think people are, are the misconception here is they're not mentioning him because he chose to stay home during this pandemic situation and, and keep himself safe. You know, we all know about his, his issues with, uh, with leukemia. Yes, it's in remission right now, but. You know, his immune system yeah, is a little new, bit compromised. Two newborns, too. Yeah, exactly. So I think what the WWE is doing is intentionally keeping his name off television as long as possible. So when that time does come for his return, 
it'll get that much of a bigger reaction when it does. Out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so this is what might be. This I just thought of this literally in the last two seconds. What about CM Punk? I know he got his butt kicked in the uh, UFC, whatever. But I know he's back with WWE. Like this is, I guess, well, me just kind of. Me. Okay. Okay. Kind of story, uh, is, but I mean, like, because he's yeah. been, he, he, they brought him back into the front office or whatever, and then all of a sudden, is that kind of the same thing that Mike? All of a sudden, boom! One day you're in here, his uh, uh, his music come out. Um, uh, if you listen to my wife, uh, because she she seems to think that this mysterious hacker guy, she goes, wouldn't it be cool if that was CM Punk? And I thought to myself, no, uh, uh, I don't know. And then I thought I'm about you, it. And I said. Yeah, D- Dennis is not a big fan. Anyhow, I, I, I don't care either way. I was just curious, like if they're, if you think maybe like in the back of your head is, is, are they maybe trying to do something like that too with him? Because I think him and Seth Rollins would be unbelievable. I, th- I, th- I think there's show. potential there. Um, um, you know, like I don't know what people think of him personally because uh, there was that animosity when he left, and he had uh, that big chip on his shoulder when he left the WWE. But at the same time, he's undeniably a a name that would draw attention and having him on backstage right now kind of maybe plants a seed but if you were ever to think about coming back into the wrestling ring i think now would not be a good time because you don't have that audience to feed off of right if you were to bring him back i think that would be a guy you bring back when you have that audience where you can get that reaction where everybody like a wrestlemania type audience or, or so even the Royal, Royal Rumble, like when Edge returned this year at yes, the Royal Rumble, yes, something yes, like exactly. that. Yeah. Yes. So, if, so with CM Punk, does that mean AJ Lee as well? No, I think she's done. Yeah, yeah. you got to have both of them come back because I think people want to see AJ Lee more than not, they do. She's not dropping babies right now. <laughs> she's not dropping uh, babies. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, mean, Jason, I mean, you're right. <laughs> but it is tough now, especially because the women's division there is stacked right now. There's a lot of talented ladies there that uh, are not maybe getting the attention that you can give them because, you know, who you've got, you know, you've got Bailey, you've got Sasha Banks is awesome. You've got Oscar, you've got Charlotte, you've got the ladies in NXT. I mean, like the women's division is stacked right now. So for AJ Lee to come back, maybe not a good time. Uh, Part of that question was to get uh, uh, Dennis get under his skin. Yeah. <laughs> the other part was... Uh, oh, hang on. To- hang on. Here's why, to me, it doesn't make sense for CM Punk to be the hacker. It's the hacker storyline right now really feels like a C storyline. It's kind of mid-card, down at the bottom. It's dealing with a bunch of mid-card guys. Mm-hmm. When I envision CM Punk coming back, it's... You're kind of right. You know, 28-29 at the Royal Rumble surprise or... You know what? We're turning this into a triple threat world title match. Here's your surprise opponent, CM Punk. It's not. Yeah, it's not CM Punk is the hacker who's going to feud with uh, Dolph Ziggler in the middle of a show. That's a waste of a. That's a waste of a return for CM Punk, in my opinion. Yeah, but then again, I guess you you. It's a good name you pick there because if you're going to have him get back in the groove. You want to put him in there with somebody you trust, but and main event, right? Ziggler's a good guy. Ziggler's a good guy to get him back. Did you see how sensitive he is right now on this topic? I love it. <laughs> no, it, I, I, no, I totally get his point. I, I understand because CM Punk has garnered that name that deserves probably 
a big reaction and a bigger platform when he comes back. But at the same time, uh, you know, I, I don't have an issue with him wherever he is because it, CM Punk is so good. You can insert him anywhere on the card yes. and he will make a difference. You know, I, I, I guess I just see WWE with the criticism they get for their booking all the time, whether it's warranted or not. Sometimes it really is that if they debuted CM Punk as the hacker and he faced Dolph Ziggler, which would not be a main event, by the way. I mean, that would be mid-card, maybe the match after. Okay, Dennis is getting way too – he's trying to get way too deep into this. Okay. Hey, he's trying <laughs> I mean, to become a WWE writer. <laughs> I am not. Sure. That's all right. I, 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 give me – if you have any – I know you've been out, um, out for a while. Any inside scoop or any thoughts <laughs> that you think that might be happening – or might be coming to, I don't know. I'm just, I'm like I said, I'm the one that doesn't shut up. And I, I, I knew that I got him going with, uh, CM. with CM Punk. Oh, and yeah. I just, any inside thing on anything that you might know or you think, because obviously mm. you're going to know, even if you don't know, but like. Who you want it to a, be. A, a, what you think I, might happen I, in the future. I've, you know, like everybody else, I hear the rumors and, uh, and, you know, you read certain stuff online. I, I prefer to stay away from that stuff most of the time because I genuinely want to be surprised with stuff. I don't want to go on and read uh, um, somebody else's thing, giving away spoilers, so to speak. I, well, you have more, you know? more of an insight than anybody else. Yeah, I, but uh, as far as when it pertains to this hacker guy, I, I don't have a preference. I really don't. I I'm I'm hoping it's somebody that I don't expect. Gonna be Ali. Somebody complete. Oh, well, I, I heard that rumor. I heard that rumor, and you know that's cool if it is him. But again, I want to be surprised. I want I want it to be somebody that makes me go, oh, I didn't see that coming. All right, um, interesting. Now I I know we have a few more minutes with you, and I I've got a zillion more questions. I know the guys. <laughs> We're all geeking out. This I, I, I'm going to shut up now, Dennis. You go ahead. This is this is phenomenal. But uh, what about your future? Do you see yourself getting back in the ring and reffing a little bit? Has has the opportunities been there for you? Because or you, become a manager? Oh, even better. Oh, no, if I was a good talker and could cut a promo, I, I wouldn't mind being a manager. But uh, yeah, that's one of my. Uh, I don't want to stay lesser attributes uh, i'm not i'm not a good promo guy obviously maybe i could learn to be but You're an uh, announcer. i, I mean, wouldn't mind speak is unbelievable oh well thank you i appreciate that 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 would be kind of cool i wouldn't mind trying maybe trying my hand at a little color commentary but or maybe even you know kind of coaching some of the referees the young referees today because i i think sometimes not just in WWE, but in AEW especially, I think the referees are being taken advantage of and not utilized correctly at times. Um, I think uh, a lot of the talent tends to um, try to get their stuff in at the expense of the uh, le legitimizing the referee, if you know what I mean. Because, you know, let's face it, there are rules involved, supposed to be rules involved. Like, uh, hey, hey, Jimmy. Jimmy, sorry to sorry to interrupt. No, uh, all the all the all the wrestlers that we have talked to, they have wrestling schools. Are there referee schools? No, that there isn't a dedicated referee school. I mean, like some referees get trained at wrestling Jimmy, schools. There you go. And 
You know what? I wouldn't mind going to the I want to find this when you open one up, okay? I want to find this. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I don't know. I see. That's the thing. It it has to be in conjunction with a wrestling school because you have to have actual guys having a match so you can show these guys, you know, proper positioning because uh, there's positioning is different when it comes to television as opposed to live events because you have a hard camera that you have to avoid. And you work what we call the horseshoe. You try not to cut in front of the hard camera. You try to stay off to the side as much as possible. Whereas at live events, you know, you don't have to worry about that as much. And it's a lot more involved. Let's, while we're talking about this, this was one of the questions. And this is something I used to do a podcast with PD Williams about. And, you know, he became a producer. And we've often talked about the ref count itself. You know, some guys count a little bit faster, other guys count a little bit slower, but either way, it has to be a consistent count. So a wrestler can kind of time it in his head to kick out on the two count or just right before you hit the mat. Was there a thought process that went into your mind when you were developing your three count technique? Which for me, it's fascinating, maybe for the average fan or the sports fan, it may not be, but... I equate it to like a strike zone in baseball where every ump has a different strike zone and Mm -hmm. you know, it's his strike zone. It may be bigger. It may be smaller, but that gets talked about so much in the middle of a baseball game, but the ref three count never gets talked about. I, Mm. that, 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 that's, that's a very good question because cadence is so important, especially when, uh, you know, um, most of the time, the referee tries to position himself in a spot where the guy that's being pinned, the guy whose shoulders are actually down, he can see you and he could see your arm and your arm movement. So he could time his kick out according, you know, whether it's one, two or two and three quarters or whatever it may be. Uh, and this goes back to what I said earlier about later on in my career, figuring it out where I used to do this thing way back when, where during the match, I had a normal steady count when it wasn't the finish and for some stupid reason when it came to the finish i would slow it down just a little bit not not consciously doing it just thinking that that added more drama it, yeah that makes sense yeah, that, yeah 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 anticipation then yeah but then i go back and think but if i do that and people pay it notice it then they're going to know that that's the finish when i make that slightly slower okay count. so so say it's not the finish um, do, do they know like, okay, you're going to kick out on two or right. you're going to kick out real quick on, on, do, do they go over that before it starts or it might be a yeah, dumb they, question, but I was just curious. No, no, no. They know, they know exactly. Uh, you know, the guys will discuss whether it's going to be a one count or two count. Uh, I like that it escalates. I like starting. I, I don't even mind when guys cover and somebody kicks out right away before the ref can even count one. It's telling yeah. a story there. You're escalating yeah. it. You're trying to, it, it, you know, do more damage to get a one count. Then you get a little more in, you get to a two. Then you get to a two and a half and, and that sort of stuff. But I discovered later on that if the referee keeps his cadence the same throughout the entire match, then more the audience is not uh, – yep. it's not a giveaway for the audience. I I, I watch – oh, I hate to do this, man. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> I, do it. I, I watch some of my old colleagues over there, and I'm, when I'm watching the match – I know when it's the finish, and I know when it's not the finish. Yes, yes, and oh, yes. Oh, oh my God. You, you just, this is the, the okay, Tom. This is the last question that I was gonna ask, and and, and, I, and I promise this. this so when He's you lying. watch a match, when you watch a match, because when I watch a mm-hmm. baseball, you and Dimitri kind of touched on it earlier, but when I watch a baseball game now, 
I'm trying to see if the catcher knows what he's doing or not. As far as sequences go, as far as how you're trying to work this guy, because in my mind, I have an idea. Um, but now when you watch a match, are you, and you just kind of said it, are you sitting there not really watching the match and watching the ref and, and the moves and everything like that? Because I'm assuming that's what you would do, but I, I don't know. I know you and Demetrius said something earlier about like who your favorite wrestler is, this and that. But when you sit down on Monday Night Raw or Impact, whatever it may be, do you sit there and watch the referee and the the, the uh, as opposed to? Mm. The I, actual- I do pick. I don't focus on the referee, but I do keep him basically, you know, I, I, I am keeping an eye on him because uh, like I said, like I said, you know, there are times where I notice and I, and I say to myself, that's a dead giveaway. This isn't a finish. Oh my goodness. I, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't, it's little things. And I'm thinking, then I think to myself, am I picking it up because that's my world? Do you know what I mean? Like, what you, like you guys, you, you you guys could probably pick up something on on, on a batter or a, or a, on, pitcher, on somebody just yeah something that's a little bit of a tip off and going okay here it comes uh, I'm that way with the with the uh, with the referees as well I'll I'll see something so minute and then um, I'll give you an example what, not I'm not going to give it away because then I'll ruin it for a whole bunch of people but uh, when we were here when WWE was here for SummerSlam in Toronto last year. And I was sitting beside my producer for our show and somebody was in the ring. One of my former colleagues was in the ring and I kept just sitting there beside him like this going, this ain't the finish. This ain't the finish. Mm -hmm. finish." Then I went, here's the finish. And he goes, how did you know? And I just said, just by the way, the referee was counting. Yep. And I pointed out that little thing and the next match that he refereed that night, He goes, he was the one going, he could tell. So that's why I don't like, I don't like outing people because then once I do it, somebody else will go, oh, I saw that now. So so with saying that, like when pitchers are tipping pitches and like Jason, you know, will find out that the pitcher is tipping the pitches and he'll go and confront, he'll tell the pitcher, hey, these guys are picking up what you're doing. You're you're doing this with a curveball and with a fastball, you're straight. So with, mm-hmm. with, with that count like that, do you, like, pull over your colleagues and, like, hey, right there, you're kind of doing it like this and, you know, uh, kind of correct I, them and help them out? Well, I have I have sent messages and texted and, uh, <laughs> and messaged a few guys. And, uh, unfortunately, I still kind of see <laughs> – I guess it's now ingrained in them. Uh, it's, it's now force of habit. And it's hard I, to break unless, yeah. you, yep. you know, so. I cannot uh, watch a baseball game to me. I cannot watch a baseball game as a fan. I've tried. I can't. I'll sit there with my kids. It's impossible. I, I try to dissect it because that's what I did. And I guarantee that's the same thing that you do. That's the same thing that Dimitri does. I mean, it's it's impossible. You're right. No, from it, a player standpoint, a coach, yes. and then as a scout. So yeah. I'm watching it three different ways. I cannot watch it as a fan, and I'm pretty sure you're the same way. I, t- I try to watch as a fan, but then I pick up little things like uh, like the story of the match, the psychology of the match. Is this telling the story that I think yep. it should be telling? Uh, <laughs> did they miss something here? Did it, did this go off the rails a little bit? You know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you guys are saying. I, I, because you were there and because I was there, I'm watching with a different set of eyes. And sometimes yes. 
the stuff you can't unsee. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's there, and you go, ah. Especially if you've been there and done that. This is this, yeah. mm-hmm. this is tough because I've got three more questions, and I know I don't want to keep all, Jimmy all too you, long. Dennis. All I, you. No. I, back this all right. Well, then let's. I've I've got three questions I think are good. Uh, let's talk about the Monday Night Wars. You were part of them as a referee for the WWE side. Unfortunately, Dimitri and myself were WCW guys. <laughs> Unfortunately. Okay. We, okay. we, we picked the wrong oh, side. Uh, for you, <laughs> for you going through that error as a ref, and, you know, depending on what podcast you listen to or who you talk to, you know, whether the WWE was close to going out of the business or they weren't, and that's all hearsay and subjective. But for you going through that time, watching both shows bring out the best in each other, what was that like for a referee? I mean, because... I, I imagine that the wrestlers are watching the wrestlers. Were you watching the referees? Yeah. Were you enjoying it as a fan? Were you were you just as competitive? Uh, D, all of the above. I mean, it was obviously not like The Office did. You know, The Office obviously was taking it more seriously than anybody. But again, from 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 someone in the business and and being a part of that as a referee, uh, there would be times where, like for example, I. In between my matches, uh, I would go into the trainer's room and he'd have the TV on and the TV would be on Nitro and there'd be a bunch of guys watching to see what they're doing on Nitro and we'd peek in and we're seeing what they're doing. And then, you know, you know, in the truck, they're trying to counter program and stuff like that. I actually loved the Monday Night Wars because it made everybody try harder, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It made everybody work yeah. harder and it made everybody want to succeed and and for me, I love that era. I thought it was, we talked about eras. Uh, from, uh, it also reminds me of the uh, one time we were in St. Louis. And, and I want to say that Nitro started at that time an hour before Raw, because Raw would go on at 9, and I think Nitro started at 8. Yes, you're right. I, I watched it, and then they had a replay afterwards. Yes. So, like, from 8 until 9, we would uh, film either dark matches or stuff for, you know, syndicated shows before we do go live at 9 for Raw. And we were in the trainer's room and watching Nitro and something was on and there was a crowd. I mean, like there was a bunch of guys in the room and all of a sudden we hear that familiar voice as he walks by, walking to Gorilla. Hey, turn that off. It was Vince. But as he's walking away, because everybody, you've never seen so many guys scramble in your life. Like, I don't want the boss seeing me watching the other guys, right? But as he's walking away, Vince is laughing. Oh, because because it, it was like it was like the three stooges meet Sabbath and Costello in that room. Everybody tripping over each other to hide behind the trainer's table. And, and you know, uh, it, it was funny, but uh, it was a fun time. I enjoyed it. It was, you know, what? maybe the Monday Night Wars were my favorite time. I may have to change my answer from earlier. So the, so the attitude there. Yeah, it just it's a, it was just so much fun. The, the competition, everybody, everybody just wanted to to be a part of it and everybody wants to do well and be good and, 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 and win. So how was it? I'm uh, refereeing those um, bra and panty matches. I mean, the, the, the women divisions has come a long, long way. Remember your wife you is know, behind. It's more than respectable now, but at that time, TNA bra and panty matches, I mean, yeah. 
Uh, models basically and not talented. Hey, D, his, his wife is right behind him. Yeah, he made his wife was right behind him. It was terrible, <laughs> Kefe brother. Kefe, uh, it was terrible. <laughs> uh, no, she walked out of the room. I saw her walk out. <laughs> uh, you know what? It was a at that time. Uh, obviously, that's oh, she didn't walk out of the room. She's right there. Let's. We'll, 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 you, you can be on a second, yeah, or you can be on another time here. Sure, soon. Yeah. No, obviously, you know, different time, different era, different presentation, you know, that stuff wouldn't fly today. But at that time, yeah, there was right. an audience. There was, uh, there was an audience for it back then. And, you know, and, you know things change over time, you know. Now, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm watching Raw right now. The opening match is Charlotte and Oscar versus Charlotte, I mean, versus Bailey and Sasha. Wait a minute, there's more. Oh, like and the iconic. Yeah, yeah. watch it too. Yeah. Oh. The biggest jerk that you've ever met, because we've all had the Ooh. jerks. Biggest jerk. Oh, Tony Chimmel. No, I guess. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's my, uh, he was my riding partner forever. Uh, we, uh, Him, myself, and Larry Heck, the trainer, uh, rode together for. Uh, he's the biggest jerk. Oh, man. Well, you well think, we know the warrior. Besides the warrior. While you think about that, I'll I'll distract you with another question. Give you time cool. to think about that. Uh, you know, right now, what's popular on YouTube is botchmania stuff like that. Were you ever in the mm -hmm. ring where you had to cover up for somebody, or because I always find Ooh. it funny because I'm what I when I watch wrestling with like PD or like Chris Sabin or somebody like that. They they go that wasn't supposed to happen or and I'm like what are you talking about because I'm a fan so I don't really know the nuances or times where you know maybe as a ref you have to go over there and you know cover for somebody but was there ever maybe a a, a match that you were doing where you had to and maybe the fans didn't know that like hey either this guy was injured or you know this guy missed the spot and I had to go over and pretend to get a ref bump to give both these guys time to figure out what's up. Um. Boy, a specific incident I can't think of, but there are plenty of times where where stuff does not go as as anticipated. <laughs> so you have to kind of improvise on the fly. There have been instances where I have counted three when it wasn't supposed to be three, but we were told that if they don't kick out when they're supposed to, do not stop for any reason whatsoever. That's on them. And this comes from Vince too. He says if they if they have a problem with it, tell them to come see me. Uh, and, it, and it has happened. It has happened. But uh, for the most part. Uh, but more so on house shows, I obviously, I bet, because I'm assuming yeah. you guys do the, the, you guys are on top of it with your pay-per-views or the Raws or Smack, whatever. Yeah, yeah those are usually, those, those are usually uh, go off generally without a hitch. Obviously, there is the odd time where something will happen. But, but house shows are where the guys try to, uh, do different things, experiment and try new moves, or, for example, or try to see what works. That's where you get your feeling out process at the house shows. So that kind of stuff happens. But then you get the silly little stuff like referee splitting his pants wide open and not remembering. Not remembering to wear black underneath and where that was uh, getting the whole back to the stone cold thing that I was going to ask you because I did listen yeah. to that and. Yeah. The embarrassing stuff like that happens, man. But you, you, you were a trooper and went on, and then you, then as you said in the, um, the, the, uh, um, the podcast that that you had to go back and get somebody else's pants, and they were like size thirty 
six and you were like a size 30 or something like that. So there's, like, Oh my <laughs> goodness. Yeah. It, 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 I, I had to tighten up that belt so tight. It looked so funny. ridiculous. It, it was incredible. But, and that's also where I learned that not only do you wear black under your, under your ref pants so that in case something like yep. that happens, less noticeable, you don't wear light blue, light blue. Yes, light, light blue, blue is not, light blue is a no no, and always carry a second pair of pants at least. So that uh, you know what you got your experiences. You're right. Yeah, so. exactly. As we wind <laughs> this down, I do want to talk about your ref rants. This is one of those things that uh, Stone Cold turned me on to you. I followed you on Twitter. I enjoyed it, and then you started doing these ref rants, which really endeared me to you, and it gives a lot of insight. Uh, it's separate from anything else you do, especially with Sportsnet. And you were talking about how you get a lot of feedback, whether it's backlash mm-hmm. or not. Why Why do you think, because I watch, I don't feel like you say anything controversial. You are very critical on every platform, on everybody personally. You don't knock one guy over another guy, and you may knock this guy one week, but you praise him the next week. How... How hard is it? Because we get that sometimes where Jason will say something and then Pittsburgh fans are like, I can't believe Jason said that. Or Dimitri, you know, how how do you do that without, I mean, because it doesn't seem like you did this to be controversial. It's you're having a drink, you're sitting back, and it's a platform for you to talk about your ideas. But now people start, you know, jumping in on you. Does that alter your plans on how you do each show? No, uh, it, it's meant to be fun. And uh, again, it is a small critique of something that I see, whether it's the night before or at a pay-per-view or something that catches my eye that I think, you know, and it's it's meant to be fun because, listen, uh, let, let, let's face it, pro wrestling is not a perfect world. There, in my eyes, and, and it's also, a, you know, it's an entertainment platform that's very subjective. What might be entertaining to you and to Jason and to me, to Dimitri may not be entertaining to me. The, the, the best example I like to use, and, and forgive me if I insult anybody here, but one of the highest rated sitcoms in the last few years was The Big Bang Theory. And I was never a fan of that show. It did nothing for me. I've I never didn't find it funny. No, it, it, uh, but it, it did nothing for me, but it did tremendous ratings. So everybody's saying, oh, it must be great if it's got great ratings. To me, it wasn't great, but that's my wasn't my taste. In, in pro wrestling, I think people are confusing uh, their preferences to what, uh, like I would see something and say, "Hey, that was good because from a psychology standpoint, this story told this story and it told it told, it built nicely through the match." Where somebody also look at a match and go, "Oh, they did forty seven flippity doos and that looked really cool," and you know, like everybody has their own tastes. But going back to the refereeing rants, what I want to do is I want to point out things that I find uh, that I can critique without tearing down, if that makes sense. Because you've been there and you've done that as well. And you're just you're trying to let the fans know that uh, this is how it was, which I don't care if they agree or disagree. You've been there and done that. They have not. And that's what why I'm assuming you're you're doing the show, because that's what people want to hear. People want to hear the inside the inside part that nobody really gets to see. Yeah. It's, it's, it's try, It's kind of a little glimpse. I keep it like a minute. So it's not too long. So you don't have to sit there for like five minutes and listen to me rant on about 
like I do, like I'm doing tonight. <laughs> we love yeah, it. No, 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 no. This was, we want you to just, talk. This was only supposed yeah. to be 45 <laughs> minutes. And, my, and, and, and my, my, my last question, and getting back to what you're talking about, the Big Bang Theory is, okay, somebody asked me this question yesterday. What would you rather watch? Three's Company or The Love Boat? I said Three's Company. I got yelled at. What about you guys? Between those two? Three's mm-hmm. Company. Three's Company. Uh, as, Absolutely. As a matter of fact, watched an episode today when Mr. Roper was having, when Jack was having a party when Christy and Janet went away to San Diego. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and Mr. Like what you're and talking Mr. About. Roper, Mr. Roper passed out in Jack's bed. They woke up together and Mr. Yeah. Roper yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, anyways. Somebody asked that question. I said Three's Company. I got in trouble. Did you ever hear the <laughs> testicle story about that? No. What? So listen to this. It's a true story. Everybody can go out and Google it. So one lady about five or six years ago was watching Three's Company on Nick at Night. And she noticed a scene where uh, what's what's the the lead character? Jack Ritter. Yeah, Ritter. Jack Tripper was sitting on the couch with one of his old 70s cutoff shorts. And no, you, he had those old biker shorts because he used to ride a ten-speed bike. You remember in the opening <laughs> intro when he falls and stuff? But, yeah. but there's yeah. a scene where he's sitting on the couch and his balls are out, and you can see oh. his balls, and no one ever noticed it for thirty-something years. And this girl I'm calls. Sure somebody noticed. Nobody it. noticed it. It's a true story. Go look it up. And she calls. Uh, why, why, why do I want to look at? I go look at Jack Tripper. No, don't look at the the story. Hey, you're fascinating. telling the story. I don't, I'm not gonna go. Oh, what episode was that? Well, go watch. Well, there it is right there. Look at. Oh, he got some hair on it. <laughs> she she ends up calling the you know whatever. <laughs> I I don't I don't remember what the 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 government that watches over the uh, television, mm-hmm. but. CRTC? Yeah, it's something like that. Right to censor? Yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> right to censor. Right I love it. I love that. That's awesome. She she calls them. They end up pulling it from from every season, every run, and everything. So that's an episode wow. you'll never be able to watch again. Instead oh, of cutting right. out the scene, but it's two seconds. <laughs> Yeah, gives, gives new meaning to come and knock on our door. We've been come waiting. And for knock. <laughs> but but the fact that this episode probably aired a million times through the last thirty some odd forty years, and no one once ever noticed it is crazy. Oh, Agree. All right. Uh, I, I'm well, glad I missed the woman. Can that I knows, but that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's, we have to wrap this thing up. We've kept you far too long, and I am so sorry. But this has been great. Listen, people can find you on Twitter at Jimmy Corrente. That's where you do your reference. Sportsnet 360 is where they can find you doing the app aftermath. You have a book out. We didn't even talk about mm-hmm. the book. Yeah. Yep. The three count. My life in stripes as a WWE referee. And uh, okay, timeout. That I'll, was I'll guys- yeah. the what? It's called. Uh, it's called the three count. My life in stripes as a WWE referee. Awesome. Uh oh. I is it on Amazon? I'm ordering. Uh, it. I believe it is. I believe it is. Yes. See, um, I don't know if you can see. Hold on. I'm gonna. I just got you, you two guys, book sales. I, yeah. Oh, you know what? Um, the missus is is. Uh, where are you? Where are you going? Oh. Actually, she's going to go. Now, now back she to the has it somewhere. I don't know where it is. Back to the bra- sorry. Said <laughs> <laughs> back to the Braun Panties match. <laughs> now, now man, I tell you, I got. Best bump I took, I got crossbody by Tory Wilson. But anyways, no, 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 the other Tory, not Tory Wilson, the other Tory. 
<laughs> yeah, the tall one that's married to Charlie Haas. Uh, no. Uh, Let me see your book. <laughs> yeah, there you go. This is it right here. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, what a great look cover. The cover. That's, that's, oh, that's the yeah. cover. Uh, my buddy Steve, uh, who uh, took the picture for that, he was down there at WrestleMania and uh, took that shot, so I used that for the cover. Awesome. You should have taken the, your own shot yourself. <laughs> And, uh, I know, and put yourself as the referee, and like just photoshopped it, and then because you're a photographer, that's how you started. Yeah, but I, I didn't have the selfie gimmick back then, so I couldn't do it. <laughs> True, Jimmy. Thank you once again so much. This has been great. We we have to have you on, and I promise it'll only be 45 minutes next time. This is and your oh, wife right now is looking at us right now, going like, "Hey," and we'll, trust me, Dennis will edit this. But like, uh, you're gonna watch our Netflix show. Or not, and you know what? I would go because once again, you're way over your skis. <laughs> I hear you. Tr- trust me, we're. I gotta go. I gotta go check out Billions. I missed it. So. Uh. <laughs> All right, Jimmy. Thank <laughs> Jimmy, you so thank much. Thank you very much. No, thank you guys. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate this. It's been a lot of fun, and it's, this is really cool, man. Cool for me too. This is this is awesome, Jason and Dimitri, and and of course Dennis. I have to include you too. I, I understand. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding, buddy. kidding. Kidding. But this is awesome for me too. This is uh, I'd love to do this again sometime in the future. Definitely. Yeah, thank you very much.